Om Sansarasvati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everyone. We have been discussing that uh, Sati left her body. Shiva picked up the body and started to dance, the dance of Tandava, the dance of destruction. Everyone was terribly afraid that the world was going to come to an end, and they called upon Vishnu, and they said, take your bow and arrows, and in other stories, is take your chakra, and cut the body into pieces. When all the body pieces fall to the ground, Shiva will stop dancing. You will save creation in this way. So Vishnu uh, cut the body into pieces. The pieces fell on the ground. Wherever the piece fell, that became a Shakti Pit. And there were originally 51 Shakti Pitas. And then there were four different lists of 51 Shakti Pitas. And in the present text, there were, are 108 Shakti Pitas. And the Shakti Pitas all have a Bhairav, who was the form of Shiva, who went to that particular place and meditated upon that particular Shakti and that Anga, and they practiced the Avayav Yoga, which meant he conceived the part and then he pictured how is it attached to the whole. And then in a technique similar to what the Buddhists call Vipassana, they move the sensation throughout the body, throughout the entire form, and connected all the parts and conceived the entirety of the Murti, the presence of the Divine Mother. Well, uh, when uh, Shakti uh, was unmanifest, then uh, we had the Tarek Ashur became the illuminator of duality, made the tapasya, and Brahma gave him the boon that only he would be slain by the son of Shiva. So uh, we discussed the 108 Shaktipitas and the advent of the illuminator of duality, and now we found that all the Shaktipitas are outside and they are inside. And in order to make a pilgrimage of all the tirthas, a tirthiatra, we want to visit all the places where the energy resides within, externally and internally. So today we're going to begin chapter three, and we'll find out how the story proceeds. Because all of this actually is bumika. It's introduction to the real thesis of the text. And the, the reality is we could spend months and months and months in telling the stories of the Shaktipitas, but that is not exactly the subject at hand. So right now we'll proceed. We'll take any other questions about the Shaktipitas and we'll add them at the end of this class. And Janamejai said, we're on page 70 in the beginning of chapter 3, you have told me that the highest light took her birth on the summit of the Himalayas. Please describe this highest light in detail. 
intelligent man can desist from hearing these nectar-like words about the supreme energy. Death may come to the devas who drink the nectar of immortality, but no such danger can possibly come to those who drink the nectar of the glorious deeds of the goddess. That is real nectar. Yum, yum. And Bias said, You are blessed. You have attained the objectives of this human life. You are learned, having been taught by great souls of men. You are so fortunate to have cultivated sincere devotion to the goddess. That's the highest attainment of human birth. Listen, O king. Remember, he's telling the story to Janameta. Listen, O king, to this ancient occurrence. When Shibu was wandering throughout the world in a distracted state, carrying the body of Sati, which had been burned by fire, he rested from time to time in many places, controlling his five senses. Panchkyanindriya. He moved his mind into samadhi, complete absorption. All is the measurement of mind. Mind is the measurement of all. Samadhi. And merging his own soul into meditation on the intrinsic nature of the goddess, he lost consciousness of time. Mahakal will not be bound by a little call. He is the great time. He is beyond time. What does he have need of our little divisions of Kalkasht? All existence in the three worlds, both moving and immovable, Charachar. All existence, the entire perceivable universe with oceans and islands and mountains became devoid of energy and good fortune. There's no Shakti. She was antradhyan, she was unmanifest, she was totally potential energy. She went back into the battery. And there was no kinetic energy manifest. Everything became devoid of energy and good fortune, Sobhagya. There was no good fortune, there was no movement. How could anyone aspire to achieve anything without Shakti? The bliss residing within the hearts of all beings dried up. And the consciousness of all was burdened with anxious thought and the attitude of indifference. And that's udas. I am the servant of circumstance. What shall I do? Whatever circumstance appears, I will serve it. I will do nothing to create my own circumstances. And all were merged in the ocean of pains and sorrows, and illness became prevalent. The planets moved in opposite directions. They retrograded. They went backwards. And even the gods suffered misfortune. Kings did not maintain an attitude of truth because of both material and spiritual reasons. They thought they were there to... to to reign and rule over the kingdom rather than to serve the citizens as a sannyasi on the throne. 
He said, this is my kingdom for my enjoyment because of the divine right of kings. They didn't say, I am privileged to serve my citizens in such a way that they could grow and prosper and, and I could practice real politics, the organization of the many. They said, it's all for me. <laughs> this kingdom exists for my enjoyment. At that inauspicious time, a great Ashura named Tarak, the illuminator of duality, became ruler of the three worlds because of the boon he received from Brahma. That evil one would only be slain by the son of Shiva. And thus the death of the great Ashura was contemplated by the gods and goddesses, but Shiva had neither wife nor son. He said, I'm immortal. I must be immortal. There is no, there is no sati. He's got no wife. He's got no son. He's got no kids. I've got nothing to worry about. I am immortal. I'm going to live forever. Everyone will serve me. And I will illuminate duality. This whole creation is here for my pleasure. And thus the death of the great Ashura was contemplated by the gods and goddesses. But Shiva had neither wife nor son. And in this way, because of his oppression, the gods fled from their places and anxiously fought for the son of Shiva. How do we get Shiva to get, to get a son? I mean, he's the only one who's going to remove this illuminator of duality. Shankar, the cause of peace, has no wife. Then how can a son be possible? I mean, he's got to get married before he can have a kid. This is Hindu culture. I mean, it's not America. <laughs> first you have the kids, and then you think about, well, do I want to marry that guy or not? <laughs> no, first you get married. First you get a wife. Then you get a husband. Then you get a family. Then you got a kid. Then you, then you all work together according to the eternal ideals of perfection. I grant you that they are evolving today. We are extremely unfortunate. How can our purpose be accomplished? And thus, oppressed with thoughts, they all went to Boykunta, the home of Lord Vishnu, and in private, <clears throat> that's powwow, guys. <laughs> Everybody put your thoughts together and let's, let's plan or search for a means of success. How do we do this anyway? Why are all your thoughts so filled with anxiety when the auspicious goddess of the universe who fills all, fulfills all desires is contemplated, is awake? The goddess of existence who dwells in the morning dweep, the island of jewels? Hey, we're all mom's kids. Why are you anxious? Oh gods, our various thoughts cause this indifference to the mother. And there is no other cause. Because we are thinking of our problems and not thinking of her solutions, we are burdened and perplexed and filled with this anxiety. And there is no other cause. When we forget her, we are indifferent to her, then we are burdened by thoughts, oh me, oh my, what should I do? 
I'm confused. I'm bemused. I'm abused. I am, in various ways, inept to act effectively. When the mother of the universe gives teaching to her foolish children, <laughs> that's us, she reprimands them out of her compassion only to remove their defective qualities. It's the only reason. Guys, wake up! Remember! She's only giving you all of this headache in order for you to remember her, the solution to all the problems. A child commits errors at every step. I'm doing thousands of errors every day. Who else in the world can pardon that except only the mother? Is there anyone? Volunteers? Please send me an email if you would like to participate in all the foolish karma that I've done in this lifetime or previous ones. Please just let me know. Quickly take refuge in the Supreme Mother existing since ancient time immemorial. By controlling the modifications of your consciousness, Chitta Vritti Nirod. Wow. Isn't it funny how they all agree? <laughs> the the, the vrittis, the modifications of your chitta, the objects of your consciousness, nirod, prohibit them, control them, stop all of this chatter in the mind. She will certainly accomplish your objective. Thus advising all the gods, the great Vishnu, along with his consort Lakshmi, and other gods went to worship the goddess. They all went together. Vishnu Pramukh, he was first and foremost in, in front of them all. Going to the great mountains of the Himalayas, the gods engaged in performing the Homa and sacrificial offerings to the sacred fire while repeating the mantras of the goddess. O king, now listen to this, this is very important details. Those who knew the performance of sacrifice to the mother began to make fire sacrifices. And all the gods began to observe various vows of worship like Tritya Baal, Tritya Brat, or Akshar Tritya that's coming up soon, or we did the Hanuman Jayanti, and Vidinyadi, we celebrated all the festivals and all the vows and all Navaratri Brat, Shivaratri Brat, uh, various vows that, of worship. Some engaged in one-pointed meditation in samadhi. And some engaged in constant repetition of her names. They did uh, Patparayan, or Rid Sahasranam, or Beri Sahasranams, or Koti Koti Sahasranams. And some engaged in reciting hymns in praise of the goddess Namastasi, 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 Namo Namaka. And some recited her names again and again. Some engaged in constant repetition of the mantras. Om Purpuvatsva 
And some performed memorial and other ceremonies. They did the shad, they did the tarpon, they did various pujas in memory of all the divine predecessors which prepared this path for us. And some performed an inner sacrifice. They did antardyan and antaryagya. And they made a huti to the agya chakra and the fire blazing in the, the light of wisdom and the warmth of devotion. And some continually established of the, ener the energies of the goddess within. They did nyats. Nan angusta bian the bump ma tarjani bian spaha sing mother babian pussa bong and amica bian hum yakadisti kapasa um namashiva karoka kapishta bian kastraya um namashiva. And some engaged in worship of the highest Shakti, the goddess of the universe, without any sleep or rest. By the seed mantra of Maya, ring, ring, ring. Some did all of them. Some of the sadhus practiced every one of the techniques and they weaved them together and they made a tantra. And they practiced this tantra, this tapestry of all the various techniques of meditation available to them. And they added pranayama and yoga asanas, and they did patparayan, and they did havan and kirtan and singing and dancing with lots of love and lots of energy. Thus, O Jai, many years of time passed. It didn't happen like that. <laughs> Many years passed. But it didn't matter because we were so engaged and so engrossed in the practice of Tapasya. Who was looking at the time? I'm not being paid by the hour. <laughs> I'm doing this from the heart and not by the time. And then on the ninth lunar day in the month of Chaitra, <laughs> Ram loved me also. <laughs> in the month of March, came on a Friday. Uh, in Ohomia the Hukabar. <laughs> on that day, she became manifest before them and they recognized her voice and she just spoke to them. On her foreside stood the images of the four Vedas chanting hymns in her praise. She radiated light like 10 million suns, and again, like the coolness of 10 million moons. So the sun was brilliantly radiant light, and the moon was cooling and full of devotion. That light was equal to 10 million bolts of lightning reflecting the highest love. There was nothing above it, nothing below it, neither was there anything other in the middle from its origin. It had no beginning, nor had it an end. It had neither hands nor other limbs attached to its body. Neither did it have a feminine form nor a masculine form, nor was its appearance of mixed gender. 
beyond gender. Not male, not female, not a combination anywhere between the two. Dazzled by the brilliant luster the gods first closed their eyes. And that's bright. It really is bright. It's brighter than that light bulb, I tell you. When again, with patience, they opened their eyes, they saw the highest light manifesting in the form of an exceedingly beautiful divine woman. Her body was extremely beautiful, a young girl in the freshness of youth. Her breasts were elevated, plump, prominent, and appearing as lotus buds, which added to her incomparable beauty. She wore bracelets on her four hands, armlets on her four arms, a necklace around her neck, and a garland made of invaluable jewels and gems radiated its luster very brightly. Lovely ornaments at her waist made tinkling sounds and beautiful anklets were on her feet. The hairs of her head sparkled brightly like large black bees shining on the blooming ketuki flowers. Her lovely lotus-like mouth was filled with beetle leaves mixed with camphor, and her golden ear ornaments were shining and she appeared lustrous and beautiful. <clears throat> Can we just have one look, please? <laughs> oh, lustrous and beautiful. The crescent moon of the eighth lunar day shone upon her forehead. Her eyebrows were long and arched, and her eyes looked bright and like a red lotus. Her nose was elevated, and her lips were very sweet. <laughs> her teeth were very beautiful, like the opening buds of the kunda flower. A necklace of pearls hung from her neck. Her, on her head was a brilliant crown adored with jewels that shined like the wines of the moon. Her hair was ornamented with a net of garlands made of malika and malathi flowers. On her forehead was the brilliant spot of vermilion made of Kashmir kumkum in her third eye which added luster to her face. In one of her forehands there was a noose, and in another hand there was a goad or curved sword. And with the fingers of her other two hands she made the signs of granting boons and dispelling fear. She wore a red-colored cloth like the flowers of Darin, the pomegranate tree. And the gods bowed down with devotion, with devoted respect to the embodiment of all love, to Shrima, to she who fulfills all hopes and desires, to the mother of all who thrusts all into the ignorance of duality. Ah, so if she's happy with us, she'll take the energy away from the duality and give it back to the divinity and we get to be removed from duality. And if we're thinking about all the duality, we forget about her and thereby we are thrust into duality. Her beneficence allowed the gods to see the beautiful face of the mother of the universe, radiating a sweet smile, the image of infinite compassion. Seeing her, 
that divine image of compassion, the gods immediately bowed down with devotion, but they could not speak as their voices were choked with emotion. And then with great difficulty, those devotees began to praise her with their eyes filled with tears of love and devotion for the satisfaction of the mother of the universe. They chanted, Deva Uchil, and the god said, we bow to the goddess, to the great goddess, to the energy of infinite goodness at all times we bow with everything we say or do, we bow to the goddess. Every action is kinetic energy. Every mo movement of kinetic energy is an expression of the movement of the goddess. We cannot help but to bow to her with everything, every vibration of the universe is the expression of the Divine Mother. Namo Devyaki, Mahadevyaki, Shivayaki Satatam Namaha, Namaha Prakriti Badrayaki, Niyataha Pranataha Smatam. We bow to nature, to the excellent one, with discipline. We have bowed down. Please, it is not bowing to freedom from discipline. It is bowing through disciplined activity. We take the refuge of she who is of the nature of fire, who shines as the light of wisdom in meditation, the bestower of the fruits of all actions, the goddess Durga, the reliever of all difficulties. Remember, Durgam means difficulties, obstacles, badas. And Durga takes away the Durgam. And that's why she is the reliever of difficulties. To the destroyer of all thoughts, we bow down to you. We have only one thought left, Mom. That's you. All the other thoughts have been destroyed. They've been done away with. The only thought that remains is our remembrance of you. The gods, <coughs> gods, the gods have offered forth many loving vibrations to the goddess. Many, Mom. All living beings call her the form of the universe. May she, who is like the cow granting all desire, she's a common She's a culprit. She is the mother of the universe who fulfills all desires on behalf of her children. Give her a bliss and strength, the form of all sound. May that ultimate goddess, being pleased with our hymns, present herself before us. Pranam. May she please, again and again, Namo Namah. Every time we bow to you and remember you in a physical form, may she please present herself before us. We bow to the time of darkness because if it weren't for the darkness, we would have never learned about the light. How could we ever see that radiant light if there were no darkness? 
We bowed at the time of darkness to she who is praised by the creative capacity, that's Brahma, to the energy of universal consciousness, that's Vishnu, to the mother of divinity, to the spirit of all-pervading knowledge, to the mother of enlightenment, to the daughter of ability, to the energy of goodness. We know the goddess Mahalakshmi. She's all of them. She is Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasaraswati. She is Chandi, she is Durga, she is Srima. We bow to the goddess Mahalakshmi and we meditate upon she who embodies all energy. May that goddess grant us increase in wisdom. Prach Udoy. Prach means continuous. Udoy means to rise. Like we speak of Surya Udoy. It's the rising of the sun. This is Dhyan Udoy. Prach Udoy. Prach Udoyat means that to continually rise that light of wisdom, that true wealth of the gods, that laksha, that the goal of all creation, the goal of manifested existence. May she come and sit in front of us and listen to our praise. <coughs> we bow to the intrinsic nature of the universal manifestation. It's swarup. It's swabhav. It's intrinsic nature. It's not just the external form, but the intrinsic nature embodied within that form. To, we bow to the image of the soul of subtle existence. The soul of subtle existence has assumed a form so that we can bow to it. Because were it to remain in infinite unmanifest, how could we bow to it? Where do I bow? You're everywhere. I can't bow in every direction at the same time. Remember the sadhu who was sitting in the temple with his feet pointed towards the Shiva Lingam. And the pujari came and said, don't point your feet towards Shiva. He said, tell me where Shiva's not. I'll put my feet in that direction. She is the embodiment of the image of the soul of subtle existence. So she took on a body, a form, so we know which direction to bow in. Where do you put the flowers? Now that's compassion. That's generosity. We bow to the intrinsic nature of she who is indivisible, cannot be divided. We bow down with devotion to the respected image of supreme divinity. We bow down with great devotion to the supreme of all existence who creates ignorance like mistaking a rope for a snake, etc. Remember Shankaracharya told the parable, you saw the rope coiled up there and you thought it was a snake and suddenly you got apprehensive. You became afraid seeing the rope and thinking it to be a snake. In the same way, we see the maya of existence and we think it to be real. <laughs> And we start acting on emotion rather than on intelligence. Mm -hmm. And who also gives the knowledge to correct that ignorance. <laughs> ah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> We're hopeful. We bow down to the object of the definition of that, as in tat, 
Tvam Asrihi. And to the intrinsic nature of the nectar of the one consciousness, the nectar, the amrit, the, the immortal bliss of being unit, united with the one consciousness. You are the form of indivisible bliss, the supreme wisdom in all lands, in all languages, in all customs, in all, in all religions, in every way. You are the one indivisible supreme wisdom beyond all divisions. That's the one we're looking for. That's our mom. You are behind, beyond the five sheets. The anamai, the, the pranamai, the monamai, the beganamai, and the anandamai, the five koshas, the body of matter, the body of air, the body of thought, the body of light, and the body of bliss, the witness of the three states, wakefulness, dreaming, and deep sleeping consciousness, jagat, swapna, shushrupti, uh, when your consciousness is awake to the outside world, when you're totally contained within the inside world, and when you are in Shushupti, you are in Samadhi, you are in the Yognidra. You are in union with the sleep of divine union. There's no duality. <laughs> Just becomes one. We bow down to the object of the definition of thou. You are that. You are thou. The intrinsic nature of the soul of all existence, that thou art. Tat, Tuam, you are both. Asi. We bow down to the Pranav Om. We bow down to the image of the Bij Mantra. Ring, 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 ring. You are the manifestation of various mantras and you are compassionate. We bow down again and again to you. It is to Tata Devir. And thus the gods sang praises to the Divine Mother Goddess. It is Tuta. And thus they sang. <laughs> Who resides in the Monidweep in the island of jewels? And then the Supreme Spirit of all welfare spoke to them in a voice sweet as that of a cuckoo bird. Sorry about that. <laughs> ah, that's good. Uh, yeah, we had a cuckoo clock. Ah, that's a cuckoo. Uh, could you do that again, please? <laughs> right. Uh -huh. You know, in English, that meant a puckle. <laughs> Someone who was a little crazy. He was cuckoo. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to stop here because this is too good. <laughs> You'll excuse me. Uh, we'll, we'll take more questions tomorrow, but I want to go on. This is too much fun. And the goddess said, <laughs> I mean, it really it gets better from here. Even, the, even after we've sung all of these wonderful songs and stuff, it is to tatada devi. In this way, the god sang this stuti, this song of praise to the goddess, the goddess replied to them, hey guys, <coughs> the goddess said, 
Tell me the purpose of your gathering here. What's your goal? What do you want? Why are you here? What are you doing this for? Where are you going? How do you propose to get there? What do you need to take with you? What is too much and what is too little? I grant to devotees the fulfillment of desires as a wish-fulfilling tree. I am a culprit. You've got to tell me what you want, though. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have your goal. You've got to have your path. You've got to have your budget. You've got to have it together. And then, for devotees who have become established with me, what is this anxiety? I bear my devotees beyond the sorrows of the ocean of objects and relationships. This promise of mine is true. Know this, oh excellent knowers. You know a lot. I mean, you knew how to sing to me. You knew how to pray to me. You knew how to praise me. You knew how to sit in an asana and do asana and pranayama and mudras and kriyas. And you knew mantras and yantras and you studied biakara and you studied uchara and you studied darshan shastra. You know a lot, hey knowers. Okay, know this. That if you do it the way it's written, you're going to get the same fruit that everybody else got who did it the same way. Know this, O oh knowers. Thus, hearing these words filled with love, the gods derive complete satisfaction in their minds. That's cool. Yeah, if I do it according to the book, she's going to give me what she gave everybody else in the book. Okay, now I'm talking to Jana Magi. Huh? Then the gods describe their own pain without hesitation. And the gods said, ouch, it hurts. <laughs> Mom, there is nothing in these three worlds which is not known to you. Oh, supreme ruler of all, you know everything and you see everything. Day and night, the illuminator of darkness, the illuminator of duality, Tarakashura, the ruler of duality, is giving us much distress. He keeps saying, everything you do, do for the duality. Pay attention to the objects and the relationships and don't think about that silly old mother. What's that mother going to do for you? I am the illuminator of duality and everybody who does anything, it does it as a servant of duality. Mother, he has received the boon from Brahma that he will be killed only by Shiva's son. Oh, great seer of all, that's you, Mom. You know that the wife of Shiva is not in manifestation at this time. Shiva doesn't have a wife. How can we have a son? <laughs> Who's going to kill this Asura? Oh, Mother of the Universe, what can ignorant and inferior beings like ourselves tell to you who are omniscient? You know all our troubles and desires. Bless us so that our devotion remains continuously at your lotus feet. This is our earnest prayer and all that we should speak. Shud, povitra, chiristai, vyakulata, ananya bhakti. Bless us so that our devotion remains steadfast just with you.
Mom, that we can remain devoted to you in every circumstance, no matter what the illuminator of duality is shouting in our ears. Please give us that blessing. Even though we're burdened by all of this worldliness, please bless us that we remain pure devotees, full, totally focused on you. That's our prayer. And that's all that we should speak. What else should I say? You know the rest. I, what else could I tell you what I want? I don't need anything from the world. I just need pure devotion. Ananya bhakti. Chirastai bhakti. I need infinite and unending and never swerving, unshakable faith and devotion in you. Hearing these words of prayer from the gods, the supreme ruler of all said, my divine energy will incarnate as Gauri in the house of Himalaya. Gauri is another name, Parvati. She will become the wife of Shiva and will beget a son that will achieve your purpose. And... <clears throat> and your devotion will remain steadfast at my lotus feet. Himalaya too is worshiping me with his full mind and with great devotion and therefore I am very pleased to take birth in his house. And there begins the thesis of the Devi Gita. Mm. I'm going to take birth in the home of Himalayas. I'm, Himalayas the Parvat, I'm going to become Parvati. Himalayas is Himgiri, he is the white mountains. I am going to become Gauri, she was rays of light reflected from the white mountains. The Himalayas are the place of inspiration where all the sadhus go. Pratamam Shailaputricha. I am going to be the daughter of the mountain that gives the inspiration to all the sadhus, to all the rishis, to all the munis who come to practice tapasya, to illuminate themselves with the illumination of Gauri, to be in the presence of Parvati. And therefore, I'm very pleased to take birth in the house of Himalayas. Now the story goes on. Just a little bit more. Then we'll, we'll gossip. <laughs> Bias remember, Bias is telling the story to Janamejai the king. Uh, hearing these extremely kind words, Himalaya was filled with love. <laughs> With a voice choked with tears in his throat, he spoke to the great queen of existence. This being has been raised high by your loving desire. For what am I but an inert stationary existence, whereas you are the intrinsic nature of true existence and consciousness? I'm a dull, inert mountain. I don't get around very well. Uh, even I have a broken leg. I can't, I hobble from place to place at best. I have to stay around in one place and you are the mother of existence. 
My becoming your father, which is otherwise impossible, must be the results of the merits earned by me for performing the ashwamedh and other sacrifices and the merits for my constant union in one-pointed meditation. I've been sitting here in the Himalayas as the Himalayas in one-pointed meditation. I never got up. I never moved my knees. I never left my asan. I never went any place. I didn't go dancing. I didn't go to the parties. I didn't go anywhere else, but I stayed here in one-pointed meditation on you. And I just did jop and tup, and I made yagya, and I just thought of you all the time, Mom that the mother of the perceivable universe will become my daughter, <laughs> will make my fame to be foremost among the creation composed of five elements. People are going to remember Himalayas for a long time. <laughs> oh, how blessed and fortunate is Himalaya. <laughs> he is really blessed. To whom can greater fortune come than to he who has been chosen to give birth to the daughter within whom millions of creations are contained. I cannot know to what elevated places my ancestors may be entitled, those perceivable and imperceivable residences in which the future virtues may take birth. I, even my ancestors are going to get the benefit from this. <laughs> 14 generations, seven generations before me and seven generations to come, at least all of them are going to receive the benefit of having the Divine Mother take birth in the home of Himalaya. In the same way that you have shown me the grace of the fullness of your love, describe to me that form, your real self which is the attainment of perfection of non-duality of Vedanta. Oh, Mom, can you tell me what is niti niti? <laughs> I want the highest vision of Vedanta, the ultimate wisdom, the ultimate of wisdom of all that could be known. Please describe your real self. O oh, Supreme Lord of all, tell about yoga and devotion and wisdom as shown in the Vedas so that by, by that knowledge I will be able to realize the self. And Vyas said, having heard these words from Himalaya, the mother of the universe with a pleasing look, began to expound the secrets contained in the Vedas. Om Iti Tritiyangadhyaya Om Sam Sarasvati Let's see if there are any questions. Yes, please. Um, could you pronounce the, the, the name of the thing that uh, Avyaya said? Avayav Yoga. Avayav. Yes. Huh. Um, we promise not to do that anymore. <laughs> Voluntarily. Yes. Okay. That was just, that was it. Yes, please. Um, we have a question from Srini. Namaste, Srini Baba. Yay, Srini. <laughs> Could you please clarify the difference between indifference and detachment? Yes. Uh, indifference 
actually, mm, uh, detachment means you were attached, and now you have detached. So you have earned something and given it up. That is tiag. You have earned something, you've gained something, you've accomplished something, you attained something, and then you gave it up. That tiag. That is tiag. Now, uh, indifference is udas. I, I don't care about it. I don't need it. I have no attraction. I have no repulsion. It's not mine. Whatever I have is hers. I am the chokidar. I am the custodian. I am the protector of her wealth. I have no attachment and I have no aversion. I have no akarshan or bikarshan. I have no attraction or repulsion. I'm not giving up anything. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Yes, please. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma. Why do we ask for pure devotion as our boon instead of wisdom or world peace? Thank you. Uh, well, all of the other boons are really quite transitory. Uh, you know, wisdom is likened to the sun, which is a blazing orb of light. And even occasionally, like today, the cloud rises and you can't see the sun. Doesn't mean the sun isn't there. It means the sun is covered up by the light. But bhakti is never covered up by the light. Uh, remember the story of the difference between Gan and bhakti in Ram's court. And remember all the sadhus gathered together and Hanuman said, which is preferable, do we want wisdom or we want bhakti? Or do we want devotion? And he said, Vashishta gave the answer to that question, and Vashishta said, you know, Gan, wisdom, is like a deep. And to make a deep, you need a bowl, and you need some oil, and you need a wick, and then you light the wick on fire, and it burns in the oil in the bowl. And if the wind were to blow, it, it, it can blow out your light. But bhakti is like a gem, which shines of its own effulgence. And the bhakti will always shine, the wind can't blow out the light of the gem. The jewel will always sparkle no matter what the climate is. You never worry about the winds of Kam, Krod, Lo, Modabi because they will never blow out the light of devotion. They can blow out the light of wisdom. Robin was a very wise man until the wind came and blew out his light. <laughs> And then he be a very wise man behaved in a very foolish manner. But Hanuman had the light of devotion, and he was a light, shining like a gem and a jewel. And no modabi could blow out the light of devotion. So that's why devotion is preferable to wisdom. The highest wisdom is to be continually devoted. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, please. Swamiji, just like you explained all the three prasana within us, yes. is Mani Dweep also there? Absolutely. Mani Dweep is also there. And some people put it in the, in the Anahat, and some people put it in the Adya Chakra, and then you can move it around and put it in the Sahasra, and you can take it out and put it about 10 feet above your head, and then you can move it to the next loka. And each time you move your, the location of the Monidweep, your Salokya, Samipya, Sarupya, Sadrishya have different meanings. Expands and expands and expands. Yes, please. If you can move the money poor or the, the money dweep, can you also move the chakras? No. Chakras are centers of energy within the individual. They are fixed. But you can move your consciousness from one chakra to another. But you wouldn't want to move the chakra. That's a center of energy. That's like a signpost saying, How do you get to Sri Ma's house? You don't want to move the signpost. Because the next guy coming along is going to want to see, hey, where do I turn or where do I go straight? But once you know the route, you can say, oh, wait a second. Getting to Sri Ma's house is not just the ultimate goal. I could go past the house to the temple. I could go past the temple to the pond. I could go past the pond to the top of the mountain. I can keep going. You remember the story of the woodcutter and the sadhu came and said, go forward. So the woodcutter went into the forest and he said, well, you know, I, he went to where he usually cut the wood and he said, I'm not going to stop here. The sadhu told me, go forward. He went forward. He found a, a forest of sandalwood trees and he cut the sandalwood trees and he brought them back to the city. He became very wealthy. <laughs> and then he, he went to the, the next day he went out to the forest of sandalwood trees. He said, the sadhu didn't say stop. He said, go forward. And he went forward and he found a, a silver mine. And he, he started digging up the silver and he went back to town. He became very wealthy. And then he went the next day to the silver mine. He, the, the sadhu didn't say stop there. He said, go forward. And he went forward and he found a gold mine. In the same way, go forward. Find the <coughs> ultimate where you can't go any farther. And that's where you can stay. Yes, please. We have a question from Julia. Yes, namaste, Julia Ma. Can we sing the, the song of praise in this chapter right now? Right now? No. Oh, we only have a few minutes left, and we'll spend that time answering questions. Uh, we could sing it afterwards. Yes, please. Question from Papia in Delaware. Namaste, Papia. When the energy of the goddess takes birth as Gauri, the goddess still, does the goddess still coexist with her unmanifest formless entity? Absolutely. The unmanifest Shakti never ceases to exist. However, she comes into manifestation, but still there's energy in the battery. She is still potential and kinetic. And then, while she's kinetic, she's manifest. And when she's through being manifest, she goes back into the battery and becomes potential again. So, yes, in manifested existence, she exists in both states, as unmanifest and manifest. Shakti Tattva never ceases to exist. Sadasiv never ceases to exist. 
they both become manifest as Ardhanavishwa. And then they are united. They are two, but they are one. We have a question from uh, Jayma James. Jayma James, namaste! Beloved Mahan Swamiji, can you speak a bit on the attributes of what devotion is and the aspects of its expressions and fruits? No. <laughs> can I tell you what it, what it means to be in love? No. But you can sure feel it. It's not an intellectual concept. It's not something that's in the mind. It's beyond body. It's beyond mind. It's, it's an umoti. It's a, a upalabdi. It's a prakash. It's an illumination. It has no definition specifically that some sadhu could say, well, this is what it's like to be devoted. This is what it's like to be in love. The poets have struggled with this for years. You yourself have written thousands of poems and songs trying to express that quality of devotion. And all you can do is allude to the intensity. But you can't tell me how sweet is the sweet. What does sugar taste like? Or what does mother's gear taste like? <laughs> you can't tell me. You could say it's sweet, but how sweet is it? Well, I don't know. Sometimes she puts a little gur in it for the diabetics, and sometimes she puts a pound of sugar in it for the swadus. <laughs> how sweet is it? Yum, yum. Sorry, James. In the beginning of the story, it says that uh, Shiva doesn't have a son, so this means that Ganesh hasn't come into the scene yet. Right. Um, I always thought that Ganesh was the first son. No. Yeah, well, he was the first son. No, he was not the first son. But uh, he, he, he came into existence later. Uh, first came Parvati, then came Kartikeya, and then came Ashokshundari, and then came Ganesh. Uh, so uh, the, there's a, 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 we'll get into the, the evolution of the family of Shiva later. We just got the privilege of seeing how Parvati is going to take birth in Himalaya's house and Himalaya is saying, hey, mom, what do I do when I become the father of the divine mother? Tell me who you really are. Tell me who I really am. How should I act when I'm your dad? What kind of house do you want to live in? What kind of sadhana should I do? What kind, how should I regard you? Can I call you my daughter when you are the mother? How can I, you please give me some instruction. What am I supposed to do? I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> the divine child is going to take birth in my house. How do I be a parent to the divine child? Apparently. How do I make my love manifest? How do I make a, an environment conducive for the divine child? To, to accomplish all of the goals of this manifestation. She's coming as an avatar in my house. Obviously, she has a mission, a goal. She has some fruit to fulfill. She has something to do. There's a reason for her coming. What do I have to do to make the way smooth for you? 
What can I do to prepare the environment conducive for you accomplishing all the goals that you've set out to, to accomplish? I don't want to mold you in my image. I want you to tell me what is your goal, what is your path, what is your what kind of environment will be conducive to that. And how can I nurture you in such a way that you can fulfill the goal of the gods, the goal of creation? Everybody is waiting for you. That's a big responsibility you're giving to me. Now that's the attitude of a divine parent. Everyone who gives birth to a child on this earth must read the bhava of Himalaya. You have come to this creation for your own purpose. You know what that is. You didn't come as the object of my lust, as the object of my pleasure. You didn't come here just to eat and drink and be merry and accomplish and get as much as you can for yourself and go out with as much enjoyment as you can possibly enjoy. You have a reason for being here. Would you please inform me what is your reason? What is your goal? How can I, as a parent, pre provide for you an environment conducive to your achieving your goal? How many of us parents look to our children for that guidance? How many of us parents look to God for that guidance? Only the divine Himalayas and Shrema, they enter into that kind of dialogue that says, hey, this is what I mean, this is the purpose of my visit. <laughs> it's a question you always get when you go to India, what is the purpose of your visit? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> you mean you just got in an airplane, flown, flew 15,000 miles around the earth, and you don't know why you're here? <laughs> come just to take a picture to make a photograph what is the purpose of your visit what can we do to provide for you an environment conducive to your accomplishing just that purpose what is the most efficient way that you can be nurtured and instructed and educated and empowered to fulfill your destiny. And with these questions of Himalayas, the real essence of the Devi Gita begins. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Mm -hmm.